Amen. Somebody say praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. <laughs> oh, I love y'all. I love the Lord Jesus and I love y'all. And I want you to know that. And I, I really wanted to share something with you this morning to encourage you. You know, it seems like sometimes in summertime, school lets out and everybody lets out. And, um, but, um, you know, it's, uh, this morning uh, we're in a series called United and I really wanted to encourage you uh, by answering a question, you know, what is the church? And a lot of times we, we think about the church in, in terms of what uh, we can get from church, uh, why we're here, what we're doing as we worship the Lord. But I, I, I want to encourage you, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 4, and so if you'll open up your scripture there, we'll read that in just a little bit. Um, last week, uh, <laughs> Tracy traveled on a field trip with her school, and uh, she had her talented and gifted students, and uh, they went to the Ross Perot Museum of Nature and Science, and uh, it's in Dallas, and it was a pretty interesting trip. You know, knowing that our granddaughter Chloe's graduation from pre-K uh, was going to be that evening, Tracy, while she was at the museum, she picked up a, a small gift for Chloe and, you know, um, picked up something else for little brother, you know. And uh, so she come, come in and, and uh, we watched the graduation that evening and, and um, you know, she gave them their gifts and... Um, you know, the, the gift that she brought for Chloe was called a, a Hoberman Sphere Ball. And I don't know if you've ever heard of those or seen those, but they're pretty cool. Um, she gave the gift to Chloe, and, and you know, Chloe was a little, seemed a little bit indifferent about the gift. It was kind of like, you know, when you give a child clothes at Christmas time. You know, they look at it and they go, oh, and they kind of put it to the side. Well, she kind of did that, you know, on, on, uh, when she got the gift, and, and um, I don't think she understood really how cool the gift was. And I think sometimes that's the way we are. Later on, her mom, Courtney, she, she got the ball out, and she showed her how it worked. And then Courtney posted a picture of Chloe with the ball, and they were walking through this, this shopping area, and she had the quote underneath it. She said, she has been all about this ball. Great find. Anytime church becomes boring and dull and frustrating, maybe it's because we don't understand what it is, what it can do, and how to go about it. We take some of the most wonderful news, good news, great news, and we bore it down to where nobody even wants to hear it anymore. And the idea is maybe the problem isn't the church, maybe the problem is with us. Maybe we don't understand what the church is to be about because I would say a study of Paul's description of the church will cause us to say, great find. This is so wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. In Ephesians chapter 4, the first part of Ephesians 
chapter 4, the Apostle Paul is telling us to preserve a unity that God has already given us in Jesus Christ. In other words, we are united together in Christ. So so preserve that unity. And then in verses 4 through 6, he grounded that unity that we enjoy not only in the saving work of Jesus Christ, but also in the triune God, the God of the Trinity, the Father. And now in verse 7, Paul talks about our differences He says we're united, but then he talks about these differences and he he talks about our distinctions. He talks about our diversity that exists in the body of Christ. But notice Paul's clear discussion about our distinction and our diversity and our differences is in order to serve our unity. He talks about these different things in the body so that we can see how we fit into the bigger picture of the body. And I think that's beautiful. Read with me, if you will, in Ephesians chapter 4. I want to begin in verse 7, and I want to read down through verse 16. God's word says this It says, But to each one of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, When he ascended on high, he led captive a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. Now this expression, he ascended, what does it mean except that he also had descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is himself also he who ascended far above all of the heavens so that he might fill all things. Verse 11, and he gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers. For the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man to the measure of the statue which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men, by the craftiness and deceitful scheming, but speaking the truth in love. We are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, for whom the whole body, being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. Loving Father, I thank you for your word and I thank you for how it challenges us. Father, I thank you for how it encourages us and it, your, your word causes us to grow. And Father, we're thankful for the church. We're thankful for what you have given us in the church. We are thankful for the body of Christ. Lord, I pray that today that your Holy Spirit would encourage our hearts That, Father, we are part of a bigger picture. It doesn't rest just on each of us individually, but it, it rests on you. So, Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would guide us into all truth, that you would convict our hearts. Father, it is good to be in this place today. Lord, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. So this morning I want to put before you the first thing is that Um, The church 
is the body of Christ. <laughs> we are the body of Christ. When I speak of the church, I'm speaking of the people. I'm not speaking of an address. I'm not speaking of a location. I'm speaking of the body of Christ, the church, the people. And I think that's huge because sometimes we can get that confused. Because a church is not an idea, it's not a theory, it's a living organism. Something people can experience. Something they can enjoy. Something that that people can experience. And as the body of Christ, the church is unique. We are very unique. Some of us are more unique than others. But as the body of Christ, the church is unique. It's the embodiment, literally the embodiment of God's purpose and the representative of his presence. When people look at us, they they, they want to see Jesus. They want to see God in us because we call ourselves the people of God. We call ourselves the body of Christ, the church. See, as a body, it also has a human nature. As an organization, it has a, it's, it's an institution. You know, baseball great Babe Ruth, he said, the way a team plays as a whole determines its success. You may have the greatest bunch of individual stars in the world, but if they don't play together, the club won't be worth a dime. Folks, the same is true in the church. We can have lots of individually mature people, but if we're not playing together as a team, if we're not all together and all in together, then we got a problem. We're never going to be and live up to the potential that God has for us because he created the body and we are part of the body. I don't want to overlook that. I ran across this phrase this week and I, I can't really get it out of my head. It goes like this, we may not have it all together, but together we can have it all. Folks, I think that's so true. We may not have it all together. I don't have it together. And if we're all speaking the truth in love, none of us do. We've all got a ways to go. And we're trying the best we can to do what we can and allow the Holy Spirit to use us in whatever way he can. But you know what? Together, we can have it all. And I'm thankful that God created it this way. To love the church, we must love the people in the church and the structures that enable the church to do our work. You see, the church must constantly uh, shape our human nature to conform to the divine nature. Because left alone, we'll just go our own way and we'll do what we think is right. But that's not the way God designed it. He designed the church for purpose. He designed us to be together and to work together and to conform for the body. We must point beyond ourselves to a divine reality that God exists out there. Because folks in our world, our culture, they don't believe that God exists. They believe that it's just all came into existence and there was no maker, there was no creator. Scripture tells us the fool says in his heart, there is no God. Folks, we have a foolish culture around us. 
We need to point to a divine reality. We need to point people to God. See, the same diversity that makes the body possible also makes the body powerful. The same diversity that makes us possible makes us powerful. See, as each one of us exercise our gifts that we've been given, the body is fed, the body is nurtured, the body is helped to grow in maturity in Christ. And when the body is given the truth, and when the truth is given from a heart of love, the result will be a maturing of the body into the image of Jesus Christ, our head. See, when I say that, that he is our head, I mean that he, we, we come under his lordship. He's the boss. He is the boss of us individually, but he is also the boss of the church. He's the head of the church, and in him we have our existence. The only reason that we are here this morning is not to come and see what someone else is wearing. We are come here to worship Jesus Christ. We come to lift him up and to say, it's all about you, Jesus. You and you alone are worthy of our praise. You see, that's what we have in common. And that is our purpose. The Apostle Paul here, he gives us a threefold goal for the church. And that's very simple. We are to be equipped. We are to be mature. And we're to be settled. In a society that is totally uncertain and unsettled, you and I, as believers in Jesus Christ, as part of his church, we need to be settled. I think that's big because we worry about a lot of things. We have a lot of things going on and and there's a lot of uncertainty in our world. But one thing we can know for sure is that we are planted in the body of Christ. See, all Christians are gifted By the grace of God. (laughs) But we don't all get the same gifts. You're gifted in different ways than I am. The person sitting next to you is is gifted in other ways than you are. See, every believer has a God-given calling and an ability to serve in ministry. You know, I love this because Paul breaks it down here and he gives some of these definitions, uh, uh, distinctions in verse 11. Philip's New Testament, he gives us some definitions for those. It says he gave some as apostles. Apostles are those equipped to guide the infant church as it ought to go. I love that. To guide the infant church as it ought to go. Prophets, those equipped to guard the infant church in what it ought to know. I think that's big. We need, we need that. We need that guidance. We need that, that someone protecting and guarding us. The evangelists. <laughs> those are the people who are gifted to deal with sinners. <laughs> They're the ones who are sharing the good news. Telling them what's right and what's wrong. It can also speak of, about our present day missionaries. Those who are carrying the gospel. And then he talks about pastors and teachers. And in the Greek, those go together. Pastors and teachers. Those who are gifted to deal with the saints. I think that's big. Those that are gifted to deal with the sinners. Those that are gifted to deal with the saints. See, pastors are called to tend the flock. We think about pastoring and shepherding and protecting the flock. 
And then you also have the teachers who are called to, to teach the flock, those who faithfully pass on the teachings of Christ, especially through reading and, and explaining and applying the Scripture. But understand this, that the, the primary vision of the church isn't to convert sinners to Christianity, but the church is to mature the saints for the ministry and building up of the body. See, he gifts us in different ways so that we can interact with our world. But the purpose of the church, the primary vision of the church, is to make disciples. So that we will, you know, grow up into the things that God has called us to. That each one of us would have an area of service. You see, we are all, as believers in Jesus Christ, we are all called to ministry. Not just a select few. But you see, we are all ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're all called to that. We all have been gifted in different ways. And I love this. Because I know that it doesn't just rest on me. It's not my church. It's his church. It's his church. At any point, he may, he may decide the, the gig is up. Ridge, you've outlived your shelf life. You've outlived your usefulness. But you know what? His church will go on. Because it's his church. See, the church is a dynamic process as well. As a living organism, our church is always growing. It is always changing. It is always moving. Like an organism, like, like something that is moving. Like a person, like a body. We call it the body of Christ. It's like a body. It's going somewhere. It's constantly changing. It's constantly moving. It's growing you know, I, I think of, about our own bodies, how they grow. We don't always appreciate how they grow. But we recognize that we are always growing, we are always changing. I'm not the same person I was a year ago. You're not the same person you were a year ago. Memorial Baptist Church is not the same church it was a year ago. We're not the same church, hopefully, that, that we were six months ago. And the reason is, is because we, it's, it's a dynamic process. The church is growing and changing and moving and heading somewhere. I love that. See, our goal is develop, to develop people in Christ-likeness. Literally to make disciples. To train up into disciples. Our life together must be one of meaningful, coordinated activity moving toward this goal. See, this dynamic aspect of our church is, is more than just an organization. It's more than just ministry. It's more than, than just content. <laughs> We're alive. We're spiritual beings. God has given us that new birth, that rebirth, that spiritual birth. I love that because our members grow as we participate in, in, in experiences and relationships in which we become actively involved. I am thanking the Lord that there is a group from our church that is ministering the gospel in Honduras this morning. They're giving of themselves. They're learning what it looks like to be on mission with him. Thank you, church. For sending them out. Thank you for giving them the opportunity to see if maybe this is the giftedness that God has blessed them with. They're growing. They're, they're experiencing it. Just like we grow. 
We're, we're spiritual beings. In Scripture, we're only given two ways to be like children. <laughs> One is in our approach to the kingdom of God and in our trust of Almighty God. To be like a child in that kind of trust. The other is in regards to evil. Scripture tells us to be like children, to be like infants. But you see, spiritual birth must lead to spiritual growth. See, we, we recognize in the physical development of babies, we see children that are, that are, that are, that are, that are babies and they're, and they're in diapers and, and they're, they're totally dependent upon us. And we expect that if we feed them, if we nurture them, if we invest in them, that they will grow. That's the assumption. And you know what happens? They grow. They grow. The same is expected with spiritual growth. I got to ask you the question, are you growing old or are you growing up? You know, a 40-year-old baby isn't cute to look at. <laughs> Nobody wants to be a part of that. Oh, that's your son. You're the one with the 40-year-old baby. I, somebody didn't do their job here. I'm not sure. But you, you get what I'm saying. Are you go, growing old or are you growing up? Because growing up means we are no longer adolescents in our faith. We've moved beyond that. We've matured. We've grown up in all aspects in Christ. But I want you to understand that maturity takes time. Sometimes we, 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 we plant a seed and we want to go out and reap the harvest that afternoon. It doesn't work that way. Maturity takes time. But understand this. It is expected that you will mature in your faith. And the other side of that is it's obvious. It's obvious when we are growing and maturing in our faith. It's equally obvious when we're not. See, physical maturity is obtained over a period of years, and there's a lot of factors that involve that. Proper diet, proper uh, exercise, our, our minds, our bodies, they deal with life experiences. The same is true with our spiritual growth. We must eat a proper diet, daily feeding on the Word of God, ingesting the word of God, growing in knowledge and wisdom. We must expand our learning and graduating from the milk of the word to the meat that it offers. And so many times we recognize we're just kind of coasting. We're sitting, we're not really growing. There's no challenge in our life to know God better. Because you know why? Because things are pretty good. Because all of my needs are met. You know what? I'm not worried about where my next meal's coming from. My vehicles are running good. The rent is paid. You know what? I'm just going to take some time off from church. Until the crisis hits. Until something is not right. And then we come running. You see, when we walk with the Lord... Facing trials and temptations and storms, we learn more about Him and we learn more about ourselves as we face these challenges with Him. See, the wisdom that is gained over the years helps us mature spiritually. 
But know this, there's always room for more growth. We need to strive. We need to work at being spiritually mature. You know, over the years I've known some Christians that are constantly being blown around by winds of doctrine in every which direction. People that should know, people that have been a part of a church for a long time, that seem ignorant of what God's Word says. They, they're carried around by every wind of doctrine and some believers never seem to get grounded in their faith and they never seem to get that discernment that we need to navigate the trials and things that we face in this life. See, these are the type that tend to bounce from church to church and to hear doctrinal concepts that are different everywhere they go. And as a result, they don't know what they believe or why. They've got a little bit here, a little bit here, a little bit here. And what they have isn't worth carrying because they don't have the whole gospel. They've got bits and pieces. See, a tree, a tree needs to stay planted if it's truly to grow and to be healthy and to bear fruit. It's the same way with Christians in the church. 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18 says, But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord the Spirit. See, Paul contrasts this maturity and immaturity as it pertains to the church. While any child's development is readily evident to us, Paul chose to focus on the instability and the vulnerability of children. I mean, think about this. Young children have a very short attention span. <laughs> you know, I, I could give you lots of examples. You understand what I'm saying. They go from this thing to that thing. They're bored with that. They move on to the next thing. And so they have this very short attention span. They're gullible. They believe what you tell them, children do. You know, they, if, you, if you tell them something, they're going to believe it. Doctrinally, an immature church is unstable, changing its doctrinal views as often as some self-serving religious huckster comes to the church. What I don't want is I don't want this church down the road to say, you know what, we're going to buy this and we're going to throw the baby out with the bathwater because our culture is doing it. And so we feel like we should be a part of that when that is not what God's word says. We see it all around us. It's happening, folks. Where people have, have become so steady in the diet of watered down Word of God, that when the Word of God is preached, they don't recognize it as truth. Folks, I don't want that to be us. I want us to embrace the truth of God's Word, even when it's hard, even when we don't understand it, even when we feel like, you know what, it, 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 it's not loving. We are to speak the truth in love. See, Paul's goal here. And he holds this out for the church. 
is that because of active involvement and ministry from every member, the church will grow up into maturity that will be marked by doctrinal purity and stability. Folks, I'm not doing my job teaching the word of God if you don't know what you believe. If you don't know what it is that God's word says. Either that or maybe you're not plugged into a small group Bible study. Maybe you're not plugged into a connect group or Sunday school or some some way to engage other people with God's word. You see... The church needs to be able to discern those who hold a different doctrine and be able to refuse and turn away from that. The mature church will be growing in Christ-likeness. The mature church is committed to the truth of God's revealed word and always seeks to be more closely conformed to Christ who is our head See, just as a child is born with all kinds of genetic possibilities, those possibilities become more evident the older they get. So as we grow up in the Lord, like we are destined to be when we grow up in Christ, hopefully we're looking more and more like Jesus Christ because that's what we're called to do he's put that within us as we are reborn in him he's put that DNA in us see the church is also to be a communication center I'll be done shortly Paul says that the church and our members grow by speaking the truth in love and really when he talks about speaking the truth in love literally it means truthing Not only speaking it, but doing it. Okay? Doing it. Because if you have love without truth, that's just hypocrisy. If you have truth without love, that's brutality. But truth in love is where the growth is maximized. See, the church must speak the truth about humanity, that we are sinners. That we are rebels who are made in the image of God. He loves us so very much. But it's because of our sin and our rebelliousness. See, we, we speak the truth about God that he is Lord of life. That he is Lord over all. And he loves people with a saving love to redeem us from our sin. See, the words speaking the truth in love... It expresses the idea that the truth of the gospel being proclaimed and lived out by a church is a church that is in love with the Lord. (laughs) Not with itself, but a church that is in love with the Lord and in love with one another and in love with the lost souls that are around it. See, that's where we speak the truth in love. We have a love for for him and we have a love for one another and we have a love for those who don't know him yet. 
But really, that's the, that's the church that speaks the truth in love. And that kind of church is the church that preaches truth, loves truth, shares truth, that loves the God of truth and the kind of church that God will use in powerful ways to glorify himself and to reach those whom are not his yet. See, the church must communicate a clear understanding of the Bible and the gospel. We must also engage our members in honest presentation of ourselves. I mean, in the fellowship of honest and trust and truth, people can find the strength to live Christ-like lives. You know, when our, when our children were young, we attended a, a church in, in Central Oregon, High Desert Baptist Church in Bend, and my own father was the pastor of that wonderful church. And since there were quite a few of our family that attended that church, um, many times after church we would go over to mom and dad's house and have a bite of, of food to eat and, and some fellowship after church. And with three or four vehicles going to that house after church, the expectation and assumption was that all of our five children would somehow make it back to Papa and Nana's house. I mean, there's four vehicles. Get in one of them, children. You know where we're all going to end up. Let's go there, okay? Well, one Sunday afternoon, we sat down to eat. And we had just finished praying and blessing the food, and we were all digging in, and the phone rang. And a sweet lady from church on the other end Ask if we were missing any of our children. <laughs> Tracy said, no, I don't believe so. <laughs> I mean, he was playing with some kids, you know, and she said, are you sure you're not missing a, a certain toe-headed five-year-old? That's him. Well, let's see, mom and dad's here. Tracy and I are here. My brother's two kids, Morgan and TJ, are here. Aaron, Megan, Nathan, and Joshua. Jet, oops, we left Jet at church. It happens. But it wasn't like he was there by himself. He was, he was playing happily with some other kids. But Mrs. Hoskins, she happened to see him, looked around, recognized that all of our vehicles and the rest of us were gone. And she called us, and then she brought him to us. See, only someone who knew him and knew his parents could do that. The church must be that friend to the world who knows people and knows God, and then can bring them together. Folks, that's what we need to be about. We see it, and we respond. We need to know God so well 
that we know that he loves the souls of men and women. We need to know other people well so that when they are lost, we know they are lost. Many of us couldn't tell you whether our friends are saved or lost because we've never taken the time to ask them, how are things with your soul? Folks, the church needs to be the one that can bring that lost child back to his parents and see them reunited. That's us. See, every one of us is gifted in different ways, in so many ways, but we are brought together as one in Christ. God has called us. He has saved us. He indwells us. He gifts us individually and uniquely has put us together in such a way that we can be a blessing to the whole body of Christ. See, I thank God that I am not just like you. And you probably thank God that you're not just like me. But I praise him that we are each different and uniquely made. But what we enjoy in Christ We enjoy because our differences help us to serve him better. See, this morning, I just want to close this message out by inviting you. By inviting you to come before the Lord in prayer. Worshiping him. To come before him and to bow and, and, and whatever challenges lay before you, just to lay them at his feet. I mean, if you're not saved, if you've never acknowledged Christ as your Savior and Lord, I invite you to come to Jesus Christ. I would love to introduce you personally to him. If you are saved, maybe you're unsure of your spiritual gifts, come and pray about that. Don't deprive this body of the spiritual gifts that God has given you. Maybe you do know what God has gifted you with and you're not using it. Folks, that's sin. If we're not using what God has given us for his glory. Maybe you need to come and confess that. But newsflash... We all have sin in our life. To say that we have no sin means that we are a liar. And his love is not in us. We are broken, sinful beings. Saved by Almighty God. If you have nothing else to pray about, I invite you to pray for our church family. Pray for your pastor. Pray for the team that is in Honduras. But I invite you to come and pray. In a moment, I'm going to pray. Then we're going to stand together and we're going to sing. And as we stand, I invite you to pray. You can pray where you are. You can come and you can pray at the front. But use this time as it's given. Let's pray. Loving Father, I thank you for this time and I thank you for this message. I I thank you for your word. I thank you for the church. 
Father, you, you sent your son Jesus to die for each one of us so that our sins would be covered. And praise you, Lord, we're not going to get what we deserve on that day when we stand before you. Father, I pray that as your Holy Spirit convicts our hearts, Father, that we would just open our heart and say, Father, if there's something that is not right, may your Holy Spirit guide us into that truth. That we might be of service to you, Lord Jesus. You've done it all for us. Father, if there is someone here that has never confessed Christ as their Savior and Lord, I pray that today would be their day of salvation. I ask, Father, that you would pour your Spirit out upon your people. And God, that we would recognize our great need for you. Guide us, Father, as we seek you, as we come before you in prayer. I pray that you would guide us in all truth. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to ask if you would stand with me. As our worship team leads us, I invite you to come. Confess, bowing here.